All right, welcome in to the walkout. Paul, your junior, Jay Morrison here with you. The Athletic. It's sad, Jay. It's sad. It's bad. It's ugly. It was everybody's worst nightmare all rolled up into one awful three-hour period if you're a Bengals fan. Here we are. Yeah, I mean, it just <laughs> it feels – it. you don't want to say Groundhog Day, but, I mean, all that optimism from last week has just been washed away. It was – I mean, I, I didn't think they were going to coast in this game by any means, but, man, I, who expected that? I mean, that was that was bad on every level. This is what I think fans thought they would see last week in Seattle. Hey, yeah. This is what everyone thought they were going to see. And here's my point of why Bengals fans deserve an award. And what is a worse form of torture than – you know, it's way easier if you just take the low expectations that you had from the beginning, confirmation given to you in week one. You know what's worse is when you actually re-inject a little hope and optimism only to just stab it repeatedly over and over. I was, I was, I'm writing my post-game column and I'm trying to think of some of the words. I literally had to look up worse forms of torture. Like I was looking at like, like remember what was it? It was in Braveheart when they pull his intestines out oh, on the table, yeah. right? I was like thinking of, this is where I was at. This is where I feel like, I feel like Bengals fans right now are Mel Gibson on the table with the intestines. Those that actually decided to Attend today's game, of which there weren't many. There were not. There was early on. There was you could tell there were a lot of 49er fans here because they were all down in the lower bowl, kind of watching warmups. But at kick, I mean that the lower bowl area, there was more 49er fans than there were Bengal fans. I was I was shocked at the turnout for the 49ers fans, and they they were heard. They were in a certain and obviously once the thing turns in the second half. They're the only ones left, and I don't. And I don't blame Bengals fans. I don't blame them for booing. I I don't blame them for anything because you just can't. This is everything that you just didn't want to see. The only thing that you didn't want to see was this, where you show up and it looks just like all the crap you saw last year. It's the same mistakes, the same defense, having absolutely no answers, looking overwhelmed, and it's supposed to be new stuff here. And, and you had some hope, and this is just. It, it brought up this question. It, to me, it brought up this question because we heard a lot of players in the, after the game. Carlos Dunlap said this is just a one-time thing, or and and you know this is not who we are. You heard that a lot. What if it is who they are? Right, and and that's the thing. <laughs> the the thing they're banking on is that they can say this isn't who we are because it's week two, and and yeah. nobody can say otherwise. Remember last year when they had the the five straight or the three straight games giving up 500 yards? That was. That stretched into mid-November, and by that point, you knew exactly what they were. Um, so, but yeah, now they can kind of go back, and this this is not who we are. But you're right. I mean, really, what's different about this defense other than Lou Anarumo from from last year? They didn't. They added Kerry Wynn. They added B.W. Webb. Both of those guys left hurt. By the way, B.W. Webb was. Uh, wearing a cast in the in the postgame locker room. Kerry Wynn left with a concussion, um, so no idea what his availability would be next week. But really, there's there's not much else different. It's the same personnel group, and today looked a lot like that stretch last year where guys just running free in the secondary. They, they gave up six plays of 34 yards or more. Pro football reference only goes back to 94. I can only find one other instance where they – 
only where they gave up five of those types of plays. They gave up six today. In that three-game stretch last year with all the terribleness, they, they gave up six six plays of 34 yards or more combined in those three games. Wild. Six plays today of 34 yards or more. And there's, and there's some aspect to saying, okay, well, Kyle Shanahan, I have been on – Team Kyle Shanahan, Team 49ers. We have a, a, a small uh, side wager that occurred amongst some of us where we each picked a team in the NFC West because there seemed to be a lot of differentiation on who liked who. I'm a 49ers guy. I love Kyle Shanahan. I think he can get the most out of Jimmy Garoppolo. I love their weapons. I love what they've created there. And I like San Francisco. So you can say, there's a part of you that can say, you know what, maybe this is just the Bengals becoming a speed bump in what could be a very good San Francisco team that finds their way to win a whole lot of games, and this was more about them than the Bengals, and the Bengals were somehow un- unfathomably feeling themselves a little too much after a loss in Seattle, and... Maybe all of that played together to create this. You can maybe you can say that that's the case. My point is, coming out of this game, I have I actually have one thought beyond what I said earlier of what if this is who they are, and that is now, finally we can learn if Zach Taylor can coach because he's said all the right things and he's been good in press conferences and he shakes everyone's hand and he's great at at ever, all that other stuff but we said at it was always followed by a but every single time we talked about how he was seen to be doing the right things in the offseason but we'll see if he can coach when do coaches coach it's not deciding to go for it on fourth down or drawing up a flea flicker wheel uh, wheel route whatever it's when your seasons start going sideways, when you really hit some adversity, our culture and communication and these words that you use as cute buzzwords real or is it total lip service that you didn't really don't really have? You just say that because it sounds good. Now I feel like we learn if Zach Taylor really can coach and if culture and communication is a real thing here. Yeah, because it's this is not a young Bengals team. I mean, they, they've got some older guys on this team, and no one's going to say it, but when they hired Zach Taylor, I mean, some of these guys had to have been saying, who? I mean, right. is this guy ready? And, and they, they put their faith in him, and they go through the offseason, and they learn. But when does that when does that confidence, when does that belief start to slip if, if they lay another egg in Buffalo and then they go to Pittsburgh and, you know, we talked about this on another podcast. What if they start 0-4? I mean, that's a very real possibility at this point. So, yeah, how is how is he going to rally the troops for a nice little cliche there? But, but how is he going to get this team back this week? Because, I mean, there has to be some questions. It, it, it wasn't – we've spent some time talking about the defense, but the offense was pretty bad today too. I mean, there's there is – there's a lot of question marks, and I was interested to see too with Zach in his postgame presser, and yeah, he, he showed a little fire and he showed some anger, and but he he, he wasn't short with his answers. Um, he wasn't it was there were some gaps in there, and it wasn't like he was in a hurry to get off the podium. He he sat up there, he took it. He, his his exact quote was, "We're gonna own this loss," mm-hmm. and uh, he lived up that again. He pointed at himself, said that that was on that that was on him. Um, so I, I was interested to see how he was gonna react in that press conference, but you're right. This, this week is really going to be telling, um, how good of a coach he is. And, you know, we, 
I wrote this in the season predictions and preview and, and purposely going game by game to talk a little bit about how I thought this season would unfold. And in my opinion, I wrote this then and I feel the same way now, this would be a season that should be judged after the first month. These new coaches and these new systems, they're all, everyone's learning everyone and you gotta get through that beginning part where everyone starts to figure out how people respond and what works with who and personality stuff and all that to really then go from there and, and see how, where you end up and if you can get yourself back into it. It was going to be about not falling so far out that any progress you make at the end is really null and void. Um, I feel that same way because these types of games, not this bad. You don't want them to be this bad or this ugly, and I think that's a problem. But these types of games are things that do happen in the first seasons, particularly for first-time coaches or first-year coaches at a new place. It's just there's a feeling out process. We saw this all. We've seen this all over the league, and it happens every single year. Slow starting teams that eventually, it's a matter of if their coaches eventually proved how to overcome adversity, work the problem, and get things fixed and going in the right direction. The Colts last year are the perfect example. Who start awful, they end up making a run to go to the postseason. We've seen it a few times in recent years where teams have done that and overcome that slow start to find a little bit of run. Miami Dolphins a couple of years ago when they made a run uh, had a similar thing where they started really awful early uh, and then they eventually got it. This, this stuff happens my, is my point. But it also goes the other way, where the coach never gains any footing. Truth is, he doesn't know how to deal with adversity, and, and the season goes completely sideways, and you never even really see it start. That's why I feel like a total critical early crossroads showing up right now over these next few weeks with 2-0 Buffalo, Monday Night Football, Pittsburgh. Yeah, two things. Uh, something Preston Brown said is he was talking about that they, he said they were just running the same five plays over and over again. And he said it's not like we were confused. We were making adjustments on the sideline, and they were making adjustments to their adjustments. And mm -hmm. they, they basically just got outcoached. And you had to figure that was going to happen with a, a first-year head coach, a first-year defensive coordinator, first-year offensive coordinator. These are part of the growing pains that we expected. Another thing that I think is it might sound like excuse-making, but I, I don't think you can overlook it, is, is a lot of people looked at it as the 49ers being in a very difficult situation, staying in Youngstown all week. That can really galvanize a team. You're away from your family. You're away from everything. It's just you. It's just, you. It's just the team in a hotel for an entire week, and it, they certainly looked like a team that was together, and who knows how much of a factor that actually had. But, but I, I do think it played a role where they, they – they got to know each other better. They, it, it's, it's all about even, even you hear younger teams when they go on road trips, uh, it just how much of a bonding um, experience it is. And I, I just think that, that that had more of an advantage than a disadvantage for the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, when a team spends all day, every day during the week focused on one game plan, you see them come out and play like what you saw. I think yeah. there's and when it's a really good team, you know that game plan's really good because it's run by Kyle Shanahan. Guess what? That a lot of times that's what it looks like. That doesn't mean the Bengals defense couldn't still be atrocious this year. That doesn't change that. But I do think you you have to cry, you have to look at both sides of this equation. And um, <laughs> I still can't get over the idea of a team like uh, being overconfident because of a moral victory. But I mean, I feel like. There's a part of me that does feel like that played into this a little bit, which is is kind of a, just kind of a wild thought. But uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't really know what else to take from this other than this 
this this is a, a suddenly a very critical stretch where you just have to find a way to scratch out a couple of wins here. You know, where you've got Pittsburgh's 0-2, you've got Buffalo, you've got Arizona after that, who's it's like you just gotta find a way to figure it out. I, I'm really curious to see the way they play in Buffalo, but if you can't come away from I, I from this anything but concerned then there's something wrong with you, and it's beyond concern. I feel bad for Bengals fans. I really do because it's just – this is just so disheartening, and it's so hard to come to the stadium when when you know something like this can happen, and it's just such a feeling of deja vu and a feeling of hopelessness. And I think, I think what happened today, I think the biggest um, – fallout from it isn't necessarily this season or even Zach Taylor in the long run. I think this took a big grenade to the hopes to reconnect with your fan base. Right. I mean, this was this was so much about what this offseason and this year was about, was about reconnecting with fans and pulling them back in and helping them understand. If you would have come out here and lost to San Francisco, uh, similarly like you played against Seattle, I don't know that people would have necessarily even faulted you the same way they didn't against the Seahawks but to do it like this and to make people leave here embarrassed to be a Bengals fan surrounded by 49ers fans going crazy everywhere and feeling like they don't even have a home in their own stadium and and wondering you know what's going on and muttering things about Dave Shula on their way down the escalator you this is it's just that's a tough one to shake that's a that's a tough one to shake as you go forward and, and you try to get fans to invest in this team when that was your first home impression you put on them. And what's this stadium going to look like in week five against Arizona? Right. Because they're not bringing all the fans that the 49ers had. I mean, this this could look like the stadium looked in November and December last year, the, the look that really forced Mike Brown's hand to, to make the coaching change. Um, yeah, they go to Buffalo, they go to Pittsburgh, they somehow find a way to pull off a couple wins. Maybe everybody gets re-energized, and they're all fired up about the orange jerseys against Arizona, yeah. and they, they come out. But, man, this one, it's going to be hard to, to overcome this one just in terms of, of perception. You, you you talk about if the, the fans embarrassed to to be here, to come here and be a Bengal fan, but it's, it's the same in the sports bars, in the living room, everywhere across the city. I mean... There's there's probably a lot of people that watched this game and, and said, you know, maybe maybe I'll go to a game if if they see what they wanted to see today. Yeah. And now it's that whole same old Bengals mantra, uh, and it's it's really going to be hard pulling the, unless they go on some crazy win streak to, to pull the fan base back this year. Yeah, I would I, I would I would agree with that. They're gonna they're gonna have to put something together where they become relevant. Which, like I was sort of pointing out in my predictions, where if they if you do get things straightened out when the when the schedule gets easier, there, you could be five and five by the mm-hmm. by the ten game point. And it's and, and I and I saw that with them start. I had them starting going to as well. And it's like it can happen, but. It's the it's there's a, some in the same thing we talked about last week. The method in which it happens very much matters too. It's it's not just losing in Seattle. It was the fact that they played well that made you feel differently. It's not just losing to the 49ers this week. It's the fact of how awful they looked in their home opener debut that made you feel the way you feel now. Uh, what what I think is most concerning is you wrote about it. The the best player on the team, the face of the franchise, Joe Mixon, mm-hmm. and this run game is awful yeah i mean with the, with, they didn't do anything in the preseason and it was well we're not using all of our runs we're, we're you know we're saving some stuff well now two games 
into the season, and they have 33 rushes for 59 yards, 1.79 per attempt. It's just staggering. We know the offensive line was was suspect last year, and Joe still led the AFC in rushing. They can't get anything this year, and I, I think that's been the yeah today's today's defensive form, performance is a little shocking, but in my mind that's been the biggest surprise is the inability to run the ball. You can scheme up throwing the ball. You can get it out of Andy's hands fast. You can scheme guys open. You can work around the line that way. You cannot scheme up a run game to that point. At some point. Your guys up front need to win and create holes, and that just falls on them. That's the point where it's going to be on them to do it, and clearly that's where it's hurting them is they're not able to scheme up the run game because at some point in time with that part of football, you can't. You just can't. Uh, All right, so we'll be back on Tuesday uh, with the full BBP. Again, so pumped to have these uh, now for free for you on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. So from this point going forward, post-game walkouts like these uh, are, are free for all, as are our Tuesday podcasts uh, that, that post every Tuesday morning. And then uh, our bonus episodes behind the athletic paywall uh, are on Thursdays. So we do full game previews this week. We talked to Matt Barrows from the San Francisco uh, side of things. We did five good minutes with Joe Goodberry, which we do every week. We do predictions. We do game bets. Uh, all of those things. Uh, so we'll, we we hope you we hope you subscribe to the Athletic anyway. Lots of great content that we've that we we we're trying to turn out for you on a daily basis, and of course uh, the the extra bonus podcasts to go with these. So anyway, uh, thanks to everybody for listening to the, to the walkout. Thanks of course to our great friends at Fifty West Brewing Company that make delicious beer that you can drink and make you feel better about yourself. This one, for my old folks, I always listen to the podcast, it is a punch-you-in-the-IPA kind of day. You need that 9.2 ABV on a day like today. So just just dive on in, enjoy it, enjoy a beautiful night, watch some sand volleyball happen, and hammer a bunch of, bunch of punch-you-in-the-eyes out there because uh, that's the kind of game it was today. All right, signing off uh, from PBS, uh, Jay, Paul, talk to you on Tuesday.